Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to the Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt Moderno. I'm going to be joined here in a minute by Osmond Begg of Bolts Forever. Oz and I are going to talk about the latest and greatest news in Wizards world. If you are already listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you know what we're talking about, so I won't spoil the fun conversation until Oz gets on here. As always, we're brought to you by Stateside Vodka and Surfside. They're Surfside hard iced teas, hard lemonades, et cetera, et cetera. They're all delicious. It's that time of year. Beautiful out today. And I crushed one after hearing this particular news. So uh, it was a perfect way to ring in the new era of Wizards basketball. Again, we'll get to that here in a minute. Also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. Everything from XFL to MLB, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll find all the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends in Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BELIEF, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your awards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Okay, let's get right into it with us. I start every episode with this when I bring on a guest or co-host or whatever, but uh, I actually mean it more than normal this time. Oz, I am very pleased for you to be the one joining me for this conversation because I feel like we have had this talk offline so many times. How's it going? It is legitimately great. There is hope again. I'm not saying that it's it's going to be fulfilled, sure. but there is hope. You can dream a little for now. Right? I could dream a little bit. Yes. So the only reason to have a podcast is to make this all about yourself. So I would like to just tell you about my day here for a minute. <laughs> I had a lovely commute into work with my beautiful wife. We got to drive in together today. Just schedules worked out. That was nice. I rocked a big presentation on loss of signal research for reentry vehicles going through the plasma layer. That was well received. I aced my performance review for the year, my mid-cycle review. I made it rain at pickup tonight. And oh yeah, the Washington Wizards have dismissed Tommy Shepard. There cannot be a more perfect Matt Moderno day anywhere no. in any multiverse. Like I just that, fucking slayed it today. Yeah, you did. That's it. You know, killed it. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I got to play the lottery. Like it, it's just over. I, I mean, I, I feel bad because... Typically, I would never be the one to celebrate somebody losing their job. But in Ernie and Ernie Part Two's case, I've made those two exceptions. They had long enough runs here. I don't feel bad for them. They made plenty of money. They had plenty of opportunities. And we just need a fresh start. I mean, this is really what it's about. Like you said, it's hope. Like another 35 and 47 season was coming. Just at least maybe there's something. There's some light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe. That's, that's really all this is for right now. Yeah. I'm in the same boat with you. Like I, it's, it's tough when you celebrate someone not having a job anymore, but he's had 20 years in the organization. So he's had 20 years of NBA money, you know, and he's, so he's, I don't feel bad in that regard. He is so well connected, so many good relationships around the league. He's going to lay it on his feet. Yeah. He'll consult for somebody for a exactly. while. Exactly. He will find a role in the league. Although I think he has like 14 kids or something. So that's a lot of people to feed. <laughs> so maybe he does need the paycheck. I don't know. 
But the thing is this, after four years of him as a general manager, and then 16 years of him being part of the organization under Ernie Grunfeld, like you said, there was just, it was time for a clean break. And if you guys can't hear, my voice is gone. Let's just say this news played a part in that. Yeah. That's a totally fair. I mean, the like it, it's the it's the LeBron. I can't believe this is my life right now. Meme. Like that's honestly yeah. how I feel. Like I, I I did not expect this. This is not what Ted does. I was talking to someone, uh, let's say inside the organization about uh, this, and if they saw it coming, if there was any talk about this in the hallways, and they were stunned. And this is somebody that's been there longer than Tommy has been there. He likes Tommy a lot personally, and I think even mm-hmm. he was happy to see. You know this this move just because it's just sometimes you have to bring in fresh blood. Like it, it's just people tune people out at a certain point, and and I think we were past that point here. Absolutely. Um, I wouldn't even be surprised. See, typically when news happens with the Wizards, it happens immediately after the season. Mm-hmm. I think Randy Whitman was dismissed five minutes after the season mm-hmm. ended. Yeah, like it had already been decided. It had already been decided. Um, Ernie Grunfeld, I think when his news, it was actually prior to the season ending. Yeah, I remember Shepard made a couple of like waiver claims right at mm-hmm. the end of that season as he was kind of getting like auditioning for the job, if I recall correctly. Yeah. But um, I wonder how much Tommy's postseason, I'm sure there's some type of, like you said, like you said, uh, performance review. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, this is just like me just hypothesizing. No, that's reasonable. Do you think he went to Teliosis and said, I kind of give ourselves an incomplete grade? Honestly, if he did, or do you think, I guess my question is, do you think is, see, Tommy did not go into the the offseason kind of being accountable at all. He said disgusting or so, but that was really after giving himself incomplete. Exactly. Probably just a change of two and after he saw how it went over. Um, But he was kind of giving himself a pass and saying, now it's, now we got to get them healthy. He blamed injuries all season. I wouldn't be shocked if Ted heard that and kind of was given that and did not like the answers he got. Uh, that's just my guess. So I found some of this interesting and the wording very interesting. And Woj tweeted this, and I've mentioned this on the show before. I've heard from multiple people that Woj and, and Tommy are actually pretty cool. Like there, there's a friendship there. So I, I wondered yeah. how this would be reported out. And uh, some of it seemed kind of cold-blooded from Ted. It was just very like, uh, we would like to thank him for, you know, his his contributions to the organization, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It and wasn't a very warm, yeah, warm parting of ways for a guy who had been there for 20 years. Exactly. Maybe there's more coming. That could have just been the immediate press release. We got to get something out. But yeah, the, the piece that was interesting was the recommitment that Wes Unsell Jr. would not be going anywhere and that he has a strong advocate within the organization in Ted Leontis. And you know, we talked about this, like Tommy kind of threw Wes under the bus and I, that's the most recent time we've heard from Tommy. So I wonder if that didn't sit well with Ted and Josh Robbins had this really good article at the end of the year about, you know, some of this stuff being like Tom or Wes and other basketball people advocating that this is not a Wes problem. This is a personnel problem. So I think him staying is them saying, all right, well, you've got one, at least one chance to prove it here. And then next year, he'd be kind of a lame duck going into his last year anyway. And if you fire him with that, that's like not that big a deal. So I I, got to think that that the timing to this says that maybe that just wasn't particularly well received by Ted. I don't know. Yeah. um, 
he had said, I don't know if you have that quote in front of you. I don't have it in front of me right now. He said something to the effect of the, what they're teaching defensively was not, uh, was not translating. It wasn't, it was just that, yeah, something wasn't taken hold there. Um, let's see, I can pull it why, up reasonably but, quick. Shepard said, you get to the end of the season and there's still some questions. If there's confusion or anything, and maybe sometimes you simplify or really go back and say, how much accountability was there throughout the year to get us to this point? Are we still doing some of the same things? That's a question for everybody. We all have to dig in and say, what can we do better? One of the easiest things to say is, well, we told them and they're not listening. Well, that's not the way it works in the NBA. They're going to have to take, be able to take whatever our scheme is and go and be able to take it into the court. And then there has to be that carry through. So he's talking about coaching. Yeah, 100%. And like, so you have to say it's interesting that after this, Tommy's out and Ted did not just say the new GM will reevaluate Wes. Right. He said Wes is here. Yep. So the new GM is is not getting to decide that future. Like he he is going to come in knowing this is my coach for at least one season. And we'll see what it looks like beyond that. I would assume this is a make or break season for West too. Just, yeah. just given this and, and part of the press release. Really and I don't think it's a big deal. I know some people are upset sure. about that. And I've, I've been kind of yeah. just, they're like, oh, why don't you just get to wipe it all, you know, fresh slate, all clean. Number one, like it's, uh, let me give you like a, like a parallel. Like let's just say the, the commander sale goes through. The new owner is not going to come in and wipe in like, Clean house, like, that, especially clean house. late in the game like this, too. Exactly. If you and were now, to find now, a new GM and new coach right before the draft and free agency, you're putting yourself at a real organizational disadvantage. Right. And now it's not like it's not as though um, like there would be more lead time on the NBA side, yep. but still the combine and all that is coming up. The lottery is coming up and is like the new GM is not going to reshape the entire organization in one offseason. Mm -hmm. You would assume that they are going to be given a couple of offseasons to plan and then execute a plan. So part of that plan is evaluating what you have. So if the new GM wants to evaluate Wes on his own for 12 months, yeah, so be it. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. And I think well, there's a lot of people here that dislike Wes's performance as much as they dislike Tommy's, but th there was chaos going into that draft after Ernie got fired and Ted and Tommy took over just just because. And then when that happened again, when Brooks was fired and Wes was not hired yet, they kept some of the player development guys around to just run workouts and things like that. Like there was mm -hmm. a lot of like, again, just basically kind of chaos while they figured that out. So at least keeping the coaching staff somewhat intact, what I would do if I'm the new GM is I throw a bunch of money at Kenny Atkinson or Frank Vogel or whoever to be the associate head coach. Right. And if 15 games in, Wes is not getting the job done. I gave him a fair shake. So he, he can beat it. That, yeah. That's what I would want to do if I were the new person. Whether or not Ted will let them do that is sort of the biggest question here, I think. Uh, I, I think, honestly, Oz, the, where I land with this, and I want to get into Tommy's overall legacy here in a second, but I think he was just fine. Like, I, I don't think he was bad. He wasn't Ernie. It, it's just Ted is still the real problem here to me because he's the one pushing this middle build approach of right. we can't be bad enough. We've got to keep these people. We need to make the first round of the playoffs. I've got to get this money and get the playoff gate for two home games or whatever the minimum is here. And, and you have to be so perfect to pull that off. And Tommy just wasn't. And I guess Ted got frustrated that, that Tommy couldn't execute on the path that was directed to him. But at the end of the day, 
We don't know that that would have been Tommy Shepard's preferred choice. He just couldn't fulfill Ted's vision. But this is Ted's vision. Like, don't get that twisted. That's where this is coming from. That's where that directive comes from. No, I agree. And, and that's the one thing that we don't know going forward. Um, when is the new GM going to be hired kind of with the clean state of, hey, do what you think is best with the organization? Right. Or are they going to be hired with kind of the directive of how can we make this team? Like when you're interviewing players, how do we make this team a playoff team mm -hmm. and as quickly as possible? Is that what really the, the is that how the hiring process is going to happen? So until we know that, we really don't know what the future hold that holds. That's why I kind of said hopeful for him. And then kind of circling back to Tommy, I think he did okay. Like, look, I thought like, you know, people were upset about the draft picks, which made make 100% sense. Mm -hmm. He did not hit in the draft. Mm -hmm. um, and he missed some big, he had some big misses, Halliburton, Jalen Williams, for example. But the bigger issue was kind of the direction and what the, what the directive was. Um, most GMs would not have, or maybe they would, but like, it was impressive what he did to get Porzingis and Kuzma and Caldwell. He, he made some good trades, man. Yes. Turning Aaron White in a second into Bertans was good. It was just the follow-up of not flipping Bertans for two picks from Boston when Correct. he had the offer. Now, if you're saying that he needed to do, he needed to turn the wall contract, uh, a couple of those uh, TPEs and a couple second round picks into Porzingis, Halliburton, um, Kuzma, Caldwell Pope. I mean, not many people would have been able to execute all of the above. Yeah, Troy so Brown was, was a bust for Gafford. That's a win. Exactly. You know? So he did really well on the trade side at first. Mm -hmm. There's been some slippage of late lately. But it was also um, trading away guys that that he signed a bad contract, and and you've been the one leading the charge on, on calling that piece out. And, and this is your arsonist fireman line, like it, right. It, it's damage control of his own sort of missteps. The Dinwiddie contract was sort of an unmitigated disaster, realistically. Yeah, exactly. But like, so it's just, he did okay. Like you said, he did okay. I think what got him, again, kind of circling back, was like the excuses that he made mm -hmm. and the lack of, he didn't really have an answer except to say, if we get healthy, right. once we see more of a bigger There was standpoint. no plan for how to take no, this. There was no plan. I think he was at the end of his plan and there was really not much else there. Like, so when kind of off season mapping out, like what's the plan to get us there? Mm -hmm. um, really all there was, was re-sign everyone. And hopefully you hit a home run with the, with whatever pick we had, but that's not really a plan. That's just a hope. Mm -hmm. And it's still like, is Ted going to give the new GM, whoever it is, kind of a clean slate, kind of a wide, like a, a wide cast to kind of just make mistakes, get hits and kind of fight, figure out a way? Or is he going to be tasked with threading a needle, which is impossible? And then in doing so, kind of getting back to this, uh, you did okay, you know? I would assume the latter when the statement says failure to make the playoffs these last two seasons was very disappointing to our organization and our fans. I imagine the director for the new guys to come in and make the playoffs again next year. And you don't do that by shipping Porzingis out or letting him walk. You don't do that by letting Kuzma walk. You don't do that by saying, Beal, you know, thanks for your time. It's it's time to go. Like, I, I would have very much imagined that most of this group is is coming back. Like, maybe somebody between Kuzma and Porzingis moves on. Maybe there's a sign and trade. But I think they're still going to do everything they can to keep those two. And just 
just they're going to ask this next GM to be better and closer to perfect. And like you said, thread that needle that Tommy wasn't able to really thread. And if you look at Tommy's record, it's 25 and 47, 34 and 38, 35 and 47, and 35 and 47. 47. Like that's. I mean, that's just as mediocre as it gets. Yeah. Actually, the 1921, that was still Ernie? No. Wait. 1920 was him. That was a bubble okay. year. Yeah. Okay. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, he's what, 129 and 179 with one playoff appearance where they basically weren't even really competitive. And they only kind of got in on the fluke where like yeah. Westbrook went supernova for three weeks at the end. So right. you missed the playoffs for the second straight year. That's what Tommy or what mm -hmm. um, Ted's comment pointed to. And it's just, you know, you've, you've been here and you've been integral to organizational mediocrity for two decades. Like it, it was just time. Uh, it's weird. The timing is weird. It almost makes me think maybe he just said like, look, I can't do this shit anymore. Yeah. Or, you know, like, hey, we can't commit to this path. Like maybe he put the foot down and Ted was like, cool, I'll get someone else. I don't know. Yeah, it's but it is weird. Like, you know, you said you still think they're probably going to try to keep Kuzma KP, uh, and Kristaps Porzingis. Which was probably Tommy's plan. So I guess if you would hire a GM is does he just want the GM to kind of work around the margins, the new GM work around the margins, do, do better in the draft. But the other part I like, you know, look, there, this is the only, I believe, front office general manager position available in the league right now. Is that, isn't that correct? That, to I my knowledge. I read that today? Yeah, right. To my this is, so someone will take the job no matter what the mandate is. There will yep. be someone there. There will be multiple candidates who would take the job, even if you said you have to build a playoff team next year. Mm -hmm. They're not going to want just, you know. That said... It just it just seems a little like you would hope that Ted would have the sense, and I don't I hate to say it like that. You would hope that Ted gives a GM the leeway not to commit five hundred million dollars to Kyle Kuzma, Kristaps Porzingis, and Bradley Beal in his first off season. If One that's month the case, the it's really it's really just the new conductor leading right. the same train down the already predetermined track. I mean, like it right. doesn't matter who's steering at that point. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, it's just like it just it's just crazy at that point. You can't. And I know they're Kuzma fan. I know you're a Kuzma guy, yeah. and I'm not like an anti Kuz guy, but like you just can't commit that much money to three players after the results we've seen. Yeah. Like it would be nearly five hundred million dollars, I think, combined. Between the three, probably would end up being there. Uh, yeah, like for, that's that's yeah. as bad as Tim Connolly trading five first round picks for Rudy Go Gobert it's after getting the job day one. Perfect. You've kind of already invested your future. You've already like, yeah. like yeah, like you've mortgaged the future. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you've maxed out your credit cards day one. It's perfect segue that you mentioned Tim Connolly because that is one of the names already floating around from Baltimore. He went to Catholic U. He started as an intern here. I mean, the guy was here probably before Tommy, actually, if I remember mm -hmm. correctly. He and Tommy are very good friends. And anytime the Nuggets came to town when he was still with Denver, you always saw him dapping Tommy up and they yeah. got like hug and hang out. And there's always pictures. And by all accounts, Ted made him kind of a superficial offer the last time around. Yeah. He had to help I, him. If he really wanted him, he could have had him, it seemed like. Yeah, he gave him a four-year deal, and nobody in, the, in that position typically gets a four-year deal if they're a, like a coveted, sought-after guy. And right, I, I think that was probably to throw Tim a solid to help uh, negotiate more with Denver, and it was just a, a ruse to say he tried to get people so he could just hire Tommy. 
mm-hmm. it would be weird if Tim Connolly goes to Minnesota, destroys their whole franchise, and then comes <laughs> here. Uh, that would that would be a weird shot. There were some rumblings of Bob Myers. I'll believe it when I see it. I assume that's negotiating leverage that he's saying all those things. Masai yeah. will use us for the exact same thing again. Um, Agreed. I, I reported today that Bernie Brumfeld is uh, being closely considered. Um, <laughs> so we'll see if uh, if they want to bring Bernie out of retirement. But I think of the names you've said, like um, so. Starting first, Tim Connolly. A few years ago, everyone would have been excited because of the Rudy Gobert trade. Yeah, everyone would. I mean, there would be no excitement, and there would be some of that. Oh, this is a, someone who was here before, right? Even so, even though he'd be coming from outside the organization, he is someone who has ties to the organization previously. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how to view that one. I don't have an opi- a firm opinion on it. Uh, he made one big, big mistake, I think, in Minnesota. Yeah. They're still. Not a terrible team, but it's, yeah, they're kind of stuck in the middle. And he made a trade that has them stuck in the middle for the foreseeable future. Do you you think that he adjusts and learns and evolves from that and has a better plan here? I don't know. Uh, The other two names you said, Messiah um, and and Bob Myers. Can can I stay with Tim Conley for one second? So I, I do think it's a little funny that Tim goes to Minnesota and they're good sort of despite his one really big move and and a lot of the people that were already there and the pieces that were in place and even some of the really good guys that they drafted and traded out like Walker Kessler, a lot of that uh, Timberwolf scouting department are former members of the Wizards scouting department. Yeah. So it's it's people that, that Ted and company or Tommy and company moved on from were basically the ones and ended up in Minnesota and did the good work that Tim Connolly just went there and undid. So yeah. I do find that just kind of a little ironic. Sorry. It's Didn't yeah, no, there's but. definitely irony there. Yeah. Um Bomb, I don't I'm know how I'd feel about that one. I think a lot of that would come down to what does Wes Unsell think about? Well, no, not necessarily, but how is their relationship? Tim They've got to be more on the same page. I mean, this this group was clearly not on the same page. It's it yes. goes back to draft night, Johnny Davis, um, Tommy saying this is our point guard of the future, us as the media asking um Wes, what he thought of, of Johnny Davis as a point guard, him saying, oh, can he play point guard? I don't think he's ever done that before. So like, they clearly were just not in sync. Not in sync. But at the same time, like, so we're, I mean, look, I don't want to be all pro Wes Unsell Jr. here either, because ultimately, um, Tommy Shepard did get him his point guard. He yeah. got him Monte Morris. You would assume Wes Unsell Jr. had a big say in that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm not letting him off, letting Wes off the hook because you would think bringing in Monte Morris was an extension of the head coach on the floor. Mm-hmm. And that did not work out. And so, then Monte threw him under the bus, in, at least to exactly. some degree in media. So uh, talking about yeah. pace and accountability. So right. his, his guy, Will Barton was his guy and that didn't work out. So yeah, again, I'm, I'm not saying that Wes deserves or what he deserves and he should have a lot of say in here, but um, yeah, because he has definitely some check marks against him. <laughs> They did come out and say as a part of their statements after that a search for new leadership will begin immediately for an executive from outside the organization. So anyone making jokes about who was, uh, you know, Tommy's deputy or whatever that we can promote that that's not going to happen. Amber Nichols is not going to be going straight from running the go-go for uh, two seasons to now being the boss like that. That's not going to happen. It's one of those outside names. Yeah, and I, but I think the encouraging thing, they must have a, a, a set of names, yeah. I think, already in mind. Because last time, 
he Ted went through that very thorough process. I think what was it? He interviewed about eighty. 70 to 80 There was a people. search firm and all kinds of right, other he stuff. He talked to President Obama. He talked to <laughs> anyone he could anyone he find. The Pope, yeah. Exactly. To talk about this position. Uh, and the hire wasn't made until well into the summer. Mm-hmm. Basically, Tommy Shepard was given that draft, that free agency to kind of audition for the job, which he yep. did. Mm-hmm. This time, they don't have anyone in that position who could step up. I don't know. If I, I think what Brett Greenberg is the assistant general manager. Sounds right. I doubt. I doubt. I have serious doubts that they're going to allow him to run their draft and run their uh, free agency plan as kind of an audition. Like, like you said, I don't see this as being a two-three month process. They're going to need someone in ahead of the draft and ahead of the summer to handle the handle the Kuzma contracts if there's going to be one. Handle the Porzingis opt in or not or contract. Handle the draft. So I don't think it's going to happen in a week. But you know, ahead of the lottery, ahead of the you know, ahead of the combine, it would make sense because there's not anyone to kind of just be a placeholder like there was in the last time. This hire and what they do with this lottery pick and then how they handle this free agency dictates the next decade of this organization's track record and success and future and all those things. So like you have to do this quick and you have to put them in a position to get this pick right. And you have to allow them enough time to evaluate internally what they want to do with those two guys. Like you have to nail this offseason. So I do wonder if maybe Ted just sort of sat back and looked at this of like, this guy hasn't drafted well. There is a reasonable chance we could have a top four pick here. Ugh, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe this isn't the right guy to do this. Right. I, I like, like, let's just say if he is going after Bob Myers and let's go, go let's say Golden State goes on a deep run, even though the Kings still might not let that happen. How can you take it that far deep into the offseason? Right. You know? Yeah, it it's gets just, tricky really quick. It gets very tricky. So... You know, if Bob Myers is the candidate, hopefully the Kings can finish the job, uh, and that'll just handle that much, you know, much easier for us. The the guy I really want, and I've said this in the past on the show and mentioned this before, that I think this is the next like big GM former player that that takes over and and you know leads some organization out of the gutter is Tayshon Prince, and uh, he joined the Memphis Grizzlies staff as a special assistant to their GM in 2017 got promoted to their vice president of basketball affairs in 2019. And I don't profess to be like a particularly well-sourced individual, but I know enough people in the scouting and drafting community that they have all said that like Tayshon is sort of the man behind the scenes in Memphis. And he does a lot of this talent evaluation and the Santi Aldamas and things like that. He's the guy that came in and was like, Ooh, you know, there, there's something here. So if, if you want somebody that can come in and, and eyeball, like this is an NBA player, this is a needle mover for us. Yeah. That's the kind of guy I would go after. And maybe with Ja Hurt and Anthony Davis looking like prime Anthony Davis again, all of a sudden, maybe they finish that job and Memphis is you know out of it. And you've got somebody like Tayshaun available really quick and can come in and, and be that guy to make this pick. Yeah. That'd be nice. I mean, you also have a trade to Langdon. You have like, you have names out there, younger yeah. names, you have kind of, uh, you know, the, the bigger names. It's, you know, it's just going to be interesting to see what they do. Of the names they interviewed last time, Danny Ferry is still out there. I don't think that would be a very exciting name. That's not going to inspire anybody, that's but not probably somebody us. who would do whatever Ted tells him to, I would think. Exactly. So that's why it is, because this is the only position like this available, it is just critical to see who he hires and what they are empowered to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think 
it's got to be somebody with a track record of finding talent in other places, but also just nailing the front part of the draft too. And, you know, we, we mentioned this, like Tommy didn't really have any like busts or anything, but he didn't hit any big players. And it just, they, they've never had anybody drafted outside the top three since like Jeff Malone that, you know, <laughs> that's a needle mover. Uh, and and guys that even get second contracts and and every other team in this league, if you look at them, someone that's playing meaningful minutes for them was a second round pick, was an undrafted yep. pick. Like Jordan Goodwin is their greatest success story outside of the top nine, really. It's also just interesting, I think, just when you look at this roster as a whole, because there's so many decisions that seem like like Denny Avdia was mm -hmm. was going to be is eligible for an extension after completing year three of his rookie contract this summer. Yep. You have the Kuzma situation. You have the Porzingis situation. You still have the Bradley Beal situation. Mm -hmm. um, if you're Beal, how could you, how could you, like, are you encouraged because Shepard is gone and someone new is coming in? Or are you like, I'm just in a, I'm just in a situation that has no chance of ever succeeding. Like, how do you even view that? But going back to that, like, there were serious decisions that need to be made. <clears throat> I'm sure the agents for those players have as many questions as we do right now. And I mean, I guess we'll just have to see where it goes. This goes back to the other thing here too, is he might say he doesn't much have, have much power, but this is a few days removed from Bradley Beal saying, I'm frustrated and I'm angry, but I expressed that to the necessary voices and the people who need to hear it. Followed by, I don't make the decisions. I want everybody to understand in here. I don't run the team. My yeah. name is not Tommy Shepard. My name is not Ted Leonsis. And now Tommy Shepard doesn't matter anymore. So is that a Tommy goes or I go from Brad? I mean, it's not the first time. Like we we know he had more to do with the wall thing than originally he right. admitted to. So, I mean, if he's mentioning he made his case to decision makers, did he say you got to pick? I would think if that is the case, though, there is someone specific that he wants. Sure. That he believes in that would Drew Hanlon is the next GM of the Washington <laughs> Wizards. So that's why that's why I'm a little skeptical that maybe this is him, because sure. unless it's like a Masai Uriji or a Bob Myers, who is gonna inspire that like who is Bradley Beal going to make that ultimatum or kind of kind of make that like push that for, you know? Is he really gonna push that for like you said, I mean, just like a couple like a Trajan Langdon or yeah. A Danny Ferry or someone like that, or a Tayshawn Prince, he's not really going to do that. Even for a Tim Conley, I, I can imagine what does Bradley Beal care, you know? No, that, um, that, that's fair. That's definitely fair. Yeah. But if he knows that there's someone big coming, and I'm not suggesting that at all because we kind of, you know, did, had that song and dance a couple of years ago yeah. um, and nothing ever came of that. So <laughs> would you want to come here if you knew the owner was going to give you a directive that you have to try a stupid way to build a team like that? I don't know. I would so actually think about this. Like we always talk about rebooting, redoing it. Sure. I would, if I was in that position, as long as look, you get job, great job security here. Mm -hmm. If I'm getting paid yeah, a lot and I have good job security here, that's a couple of good things for this job here. You're basically worshipped. Yes. Know, like yeah. Like you, you, you're untouchable. Um, the bar to be a success here is not very high. Yeah. If you win 45 games, you're good. If you ever win 50 games, you're gold and you're 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 gonna be have a position with this organization forever. So um in that sense, it's not, you know, it's an attractive job because 
you could basically re, re, like mold it, reshape it in your, you know, as long. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is this, though, I guess we always talk about a kind of black or white. Do they tank or do they kind of keep going this way? Is there another path that we're just not thinking of? And that's really what smarter minds and us have to come up yeah, with. Yeah, why you need a creative top five GM and not a middle GM. Right. Like, is there a path where you keep two of your mm-hmm. big three and then you trade one for a good point guard and then you, you know, you consolidate some of the young players for like, you know, are there, there are things that you could probably do that are interesting, at least more interesting than what we had been doing that without a full reset. Mm-hmm. But again, at least my preference would be a full reset. But again, with, with Ted's statement, I don't know if that's, that's coming either. If I'm Bob Myers and by all accounts, he's just not feeling the love there. And and he thinks that Joe Lacob thinks that he lucked into these generational superstars and he hasn't really had to do much. Mm-hmm. This is the opportunity to prove like to the whole league, like I'm the effing man. Like I yeah. can turn Washington around. Nobody could do that. Shit. This. Like yeah. you can just literally drop your dick on the table in front of people <laughs> and just be like, what up? Like you, yeah. you couldn't do that. You're getting, uh, you're going into the hall of fame after that. Steph Curry, who? Yeah. Now, to be fair, he's needed to go hundreds of millions of dollars into the luxury tax to keep <laughs> that team together. And we know Ted is, is not about to do that. So no. uh, that will be interesting to see. I, I do think, though, that just kind of circling back to something we said a minute ago, whether it's Beal or, or somebody or just Tommy's own comments, I have no idea. But something seems to have precipitated this because I do remember a tweet from um, Neil DeLal from Hoop District about him asking Tommy if Tommy had confirmed with Ted that he himself would be returning. And Tommy said, myself, question mark? That's ne- not even been part of a conversation. Um, so uh, unless he was totally fronting there that they hadn't talked about it all yet or whatever, he was pretty smug to me, it seemed. As of, like, of course I'll be back. Like, why wouldn't I be? And that was not. The thing. That's the thing with Tommy. I, like, that he, he's smug, yeah. When he first got the job, it was kind of refreshing because he was very, sure. he has, he has a good way of talking to people and it was yeah. like all new to us sure. because we, people had interactions here or there with him. Kind of cowboy met, to him, you know, a little bit. Right. You know. Right. I had met him once like personal, like, you know, and mm-hmm. he was like, Oh, this is a good guy. He was very open. It was like a little, one of those chalk talks. And it was, yep. I think after the wall second year mm-hmm. and he was pretty open. He was just like, yeah, our plan is to trade, um, uh, trade Richard Lewis's partially guaranteed contract for a couple of vets. And, Lo and behold, they traded for Trevor Ariza and, and Emeka Okafor. And I was like, oh, this guy's pretty open, had yeah. a plan. It was very engaging. Mm-hmm. But then the more you heard, the more he had the job here, yeah. that like that like way of corresponding they turned into to smugness. It became like it became a lot of excuses. What, you don't like Kyle Kuzma? Yeah. And I think that's when I think it started with him always citing, I hate to say it like I always bring this up. Because it was always obviously, he was always bringing up COVID, and he would say it affected. He would always say like, "Oh, it affected everyone, but it affected us." Yeah. Which is really him trying to say it affected us more than it affected everyone else. <laughs> yeah. And then he started there. Then he would go to the injuries, and then what you said, "Oh, so you don't like Kyle Kuzma?" That was with Craig Hoffman, mm-hmm. and that was the first time I think I was maybe messaging you as that interview was happening, yeah. and I was like, "You have to go find this interview because." Shepard is totally like off the rails, lost his cool on this guy, definitely. And like it ended abruptly and you could just, you could see the turn from there. So from there, then we went to the incomplete grade. From the incomplete grade, he went to kind of throwing Wes under the bus. So his whole, his whole persona, his whole kind of attitude just changed after that. 
I think he knew he was on the defensive. Yeah, there's some job pressure there. There was some pressure there, and he did not handle it well. And in doing so, yeah, like, like if if I'm evaluating, I'm Ted Leonsis, and I'm evaluating Tommy Shepard after the season. I'm like, so you don't have a plan. You're blaming everybody else. What do you have to tell? Why should I spend 160 million dollars on this team next year, on this payroll? And I can't think of a good answer that he could have come up with based on what he's told us publicly. Like, other uh, than hey, because you told me to, Ted. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, well, I'm going to keep what I have. Our our um, 19. What was there? 16 and nine. 16 and what's the record as the big as the the big 16 three? and 19. Yeah, there's we're going to improve our 16 and 19 record. We're going to get a pick, and that 19 year old is going to save us. It's like Ted's like, okay, you know, uh, and then after he leaves, he's like, okay, I'm gonna have to think of this one over a bit, you know. <laughs> Shout so out. I, for- so I don't. Yeah, I agree with you. Something changed over the past couple of weeks. I don't think this was the plan going into the off season. Troy Halberton came on this podcast and said at the trade deadline that there was rumblings of them wanting to go into fire sale mode at the deadline, and Tommy was on the hot seat and he knew he was GMing for his job. And none of that happened. And a few people responded back to me all what you know, Troy didn't know what he was talking about. But uh, maybe Tommy did want that. And that was not something that was approved at the senior level. And that was a big offseason for or a big trade deadline for him, because guess what? He's not here anymore. So, uh, I mean, maybe uh, Troy had that one a little bit more right than people gave him yeah. credit for in the moment. Or it could be. Ted said, what should we do? He said. We've won a few games. Let's go. Let's go for the playoff spot. Could could be the opposite angle. So maybe it could be the opposite of that. Also, it also doesn't really doesn't really help that his first first round pick as a wizard yeah. is on another team right now and has scored twenty nine and twenty points in back to back playoff games. And this is a player who who look. I'm always if you followed me on Twitter, if you've listened to me here, I'm a Rui fan. Mm-hmm. I understand his limitations. So you don't need to correct me on his limitations. Like to everyone, I get his limitations. Sure. That said, he was scapegoated for the team's defensive woes. By the way, their defensive rating got worse after the trade. He And somehow a player who there was no space for on this roster is now playing 30 minutes a game for the well, Los Angeles Lakers. We had too Lakers. much talent. We always have too much yeah, talent. We had too much talent to get him on the floor, but he's playing 30 minutes for the Los Angeles Lakers in the playoffs. It's funny. So how, I'm sure Ted's like looking at his, Ted's yeah. looking at that is like, why is that guy not on our roster? Or why do we only have what is it like a 2027 and 2028 second round pick and like what a second round pick this year? Why is that all we have to show for him? Uh Ted sees this as yeah. the couple thousand people eventually listening to this will come to hear. Um, half of you have been blocked by Ted on Twitter. I think at this point is probably a reasonable <laughs> guesstimate. So you know he sees shit. He checks yeah. his DMs. He, he checks his mentions. He checks all that stuff. I have not been blocked yet, by the way. Uh, me either, and I and I hope I never do. Just yeah. because I I just love hearing about how much the Wizards DG team is doing and <laughs> Team Liquid and all the other successful organizations that Ted is responsible for. But. Uh, he sees it. And when you see all these memes about, wow, Rui wasn't good enough to play for the Wizards, question mark. Wow, Chris Dunn wasn't good enough to play for the Wizards, question mark. Like, he's still a billionaire at the end of the day, and the dude's still got an ego. So I think he only wants to be a joke for so long. And um, maybe those things just sort of bubbled over at a certain point, too. And there's a report going, like, I, I don't know how, I, I didn't see the source, but it said that he, uh, how much revenue the team made. And they were doing pretty well, 90 million or so. So they've done well, if that's accurate. That said, the one I Could don't doubt that he wants to win. 
Yeah. I doubt that he is willing to, to break let the bank somebody to else tell him how to win and let yeah. that person fulfill their vision. I, that's mm-hmm. where I have doubts. But I don't doubt that he his ego, sure. I'm sure his ego takes a beating and he does not like that the Wizards are where they are from a basketball point of view. Everything else he, he's responsible for wins. So right. to have this, the biggest one, the biggest, you know, um, marquee popular one of, of the group be be bad and be a laughing stock is probably not sitting well. So again, maybe he will find a big time GM and give them the keys to the kingdom here. I don't know. Maybe he's hoping again, like a Tayshon or somebody can find yeah. all these steals in the draft and, and that's the way we'll build. And, you know, and, I, we'll see. And also from an ownership perspective, you have the salary floor, which I believe is like 120 something. It's basically, there's a $40 million Delta between the mm-hmm. salary floor and the tax line. The wizards are always against the tax line. Yeah. So you're also from an ownership perspective, I'm also wondering why are we spending right to the tax line and why are we at, at to be 35 wins? Yeah. No. Our payroll should not be that high to get 35 wins. Mm-hmm. So there's even from a business perspective, yes, they're doing well. I mean, you could spend a lot less and get 35 wins. Exactly. And the other thing here too is if you are somewhat um, in the black already, maybe you reinvest that money and go into the tax and you make it back twofold on a winning team because right. people will latch on to a winner in DC. Like we've saw that yeah. like before the Capitals were respectable, those games were kind of empty. Now they're full. Yeah. You know, I mean, well, they've been the full year, for, maybe a yeah, little since, different. And the, yeah, there was that athletic piece about the fans and how it's kind of dead here. And look, that I think you don't people fans don't have to be defensive the organization is not one for four decades yeah <laughs> the atmosphere is what it is they haven't engendered for, much loyalty so. exactly my personal perspective um i thought the atmosphere was great when gilbert arenas was here yeah he was an entertainer it actually was fun if you look at some of those gilbert arenas videos highlight videos those are weekday games that he's hitting a lot of those mm-hmm. like game winners and it's packed and people are jumping all over the place because Ever they had seventeen dollars and a Chipotle burrito for college students, so a young Matt Moderno had to be at yes. all those games just to be able to afford dinner. Everybody was there on Wednesday nights yep. because of that, right? Yep. But they did things like that. The team was fun. They scored. It was an aesthetically pleasing team to watch. Mm-hmm. They have not been that since then. Um, so I like, but then maybe right. like two years of wall, maybe. Yeah, and I think even with the wall teams. There was a lot of that too cool for school attitude during sure. the regular season. Yep. So except for 2016, 2017, there wasn't really even much to enjoy until yep. they got to the postseason. But like you said, like this is kind of like a winner town. Like if a team becomes a winner, mm-hmm. then they get that support. So if you want that support, like, look, you would ideally love a fan base that's there no matter what, sure. but that's not reality here. Nor am I going to blame people for not putting their money and their time into a team that has not won since the late 1970s. So if you want to do it, if you want to get like a Caps type backing, if you want to get like a, an old Washington Redskins type backing, you got to put a product out there that people want to want to support. You want to make it an event to be at your game. You don't want to make it an event to be there based on the opponent that, that's coming into, into town. I was talking to somebody that runs ticketing for the Capitals uh, like a week ago, and he was talking about how many X amount of sellouts there had been for X amount of years. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's a ton. And even if they're bad, they've engendered enough loyalty from that fan base that people still give a shit. And they're like, ooh, well, you built once, you'll build again. So I actually want to see the start of the rebuild. Exactly. So when the Capitals started their retool this year, they traded off some of their expiring vets. Their fans trust that they will actually do it correctly. There's a track record. 
Right. So that having that trust factor is why when you still go to a Caps game at the end of the season, I went to my first Caps game probably in like two decades, it was packed. Mm-hmm. And I was not used to being at, a, at at Cap 1 where I have to wait in lines for all my vending yep. and like people are cheering the entire time. I felt very uncomfortable, very out of my element. What is know? this? Yeah. I was like, this is too weird for me. You're not all here for the Penguins? Yeah. I'm not. I'm going to leave. I was like, I don't like it. Yeah, that's just too foreign. Uh, I did see a tweet afterwards from Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer that said, and now in three months, we'll get a Woj bomb revealing the next team for Beal. And there was a good amount of Wizards fans liking that uh, tweet. I I just personally don't see it. I also didn't see Tommy getting fired. So I'm, I'm 0 for 1 here. But uh, I, I would very much expect to see Bradley Beal in a Wizards uniform for as long as Bradley Beal still wants to be in a Wizards uniform. I agree. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's as simple as that. Leslie asks out, I agree. Um, the only way <clears throat> a a Danny Ferry, a Tayshawn Prince, a Trajan Langdon, kind of one of those type of GMs are not going to have, I don't think the cash to come in, tell Ted we're going to trade Beal and that's mm-hmm. it. If Ted hires one of the big name GMs, maybe, maybe. that conversation changes. Exactly. But also maybe then Beal is, Hey, I believe in Bob Myers. I believe sure. in Masai. I'll give you another year or two. Exactly. Exactly. Uh-huh. Rui Hachimura, Admiral Schofield, Denny Avdia, Cassius Winston, Corey Kispert, Johnny Davis, Yannick and Zosa. Am I missing anybody from the uh, Isaiah Todd? Uh, I think I... I think you got everyone. Yeah. I mean, that that's really the legacy. I think that's the thing. That's why it's that not fans here will remember. Yeah. And then, like you said, like that's what goes them, on the tombstone, right? Is the second round drafting, right? The second round picks aren't supposed to make it, but some usually do. Mm-hmm. The fact that he said he prioritized second round picks and none of them did, right. I think is a big strike against him on the first with the first round picks. Um, you kind of have like everyone has their own opinion on which one the best one is. Rui's playing better, which, but which isn't an indictment in the own of itself, right? I exactly. Mean, like Rui's playing better, better in LA. Uh, but he was not playing defense like this while he was here. So, and again, I fully understood trading him. It's just how they went about the whole process mm-hmm. was just like <clears throat> it was basically reactive versus proactive general managing. Exactly. You could have seen that coming a mile away. They should have gotten more ahead of it than they did. Um, and they basically were planning on going, going to go down the same route with Danny Avdia. Um, Corey Kispert went a little run at the end of the season, but. That was when no one else was available. So what does it actually mean going forward? Same with Johnny. We've seen fool's gold at the end of the year before. Exactly. Exactly. So like we still don't know what, what we have with any of his picks mm-hmm. that are still here. Right. And um, Admiral Schofield contributed for the Orlando Magic this year, right. who were almost better than us. So like, Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so his twenty nineteen picks are contributing elsewhere. <laughs> Yeah, and and honestly, I, I had something on Bolts River where some people thought said like, "Is Yannick and Zosa a real person?" And I had to have a friend that does some international scouting be like, "Yes, I have seen this person with my own two eyes," because I, I can't say that I've ever seen him in real life. Uh, and he's I, injured now, right? He missed most of this year. I assume with some health over the summer, there is a chance they try to bring him over for summer league. I wouldn't bank on that being a hundred percent though. It took uh, Yusuf Sinan whatever two seasons before he ever made a summer league roster, maybe right. three. Uh, so who knows if if he's not healthy, he's probably not coming. And I would not back on him contributing on a Wizards roster oh, for years right. to come. And we probably like, never see him in a Wizards uniform. It would be my guess. And actually, if you're one of his other draft, if you're any like if you are Corey Kispert, Denny, Johnny Davis, 
Isaiah Todd, especially. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now you got to be pretty uneasy about where mm-hmm. you stand in the organization because the guy that drafted you is no longer here. There's no loyalty. There's mm-hmm. no, he's not, there is not, not going to be an urgency to get anything done with, or yeah. even set aside a role for any of them going forward. Yeah. They're going to have to earn what they get. Some of these guys, Tommy, I think probably uplifted or promoted to kind of save face to some extent. Um, yeah. And the new guy doesn't need to do that. If on anything, you can kind of say, nah, they're all bums. I had nothing yeah. to work with. It buys so, you more time if you right. say, look, his pick stinks. Uh, I, I guess if if there's one move or one decision that you'll most remember Tommy Shepard for, what would it be? Oh, that's a tough one. Oh, man. You can do a couple if you want. The the Mount Rushmore, it, it doesn't have to be one, but. All right. I mean, I'll give, I'll give one good one. You know, I think the Porzingis trade was legitimately mm-hmm. great. Spencer Dinwiddie stinks. Yeah. yeah. And he's a jerk. I say, yeah. Stop oh, yeah. talking about my wizards, you bum. <laughs> and to get Kristaps uh, Przingis for Dinwiddie and, and Bertans was thievery, yeah. right? That's an A-plus trade. Mm-hmm. No question about it. Um, what uh, a move that... And now another trade that I just... I, I hated at the time. I continue to hate now. Contavious Caldwell Pope. I was not the biggest fan of him here because he tried to do more than what his role was, but he is still a good 3 and D. Mm-hmm. 3 and Ds are valuable. Yeah. We were looking for a 3 and D for a while. They traded him for a backup point guard and a player that they had to pay not to play for them. So that, to me, was a huge yeah. strike but they're against nice the guys. team building. Yeah. yeah, and if you're trying, if your goal is to make the playoffs, don't you think this team would have been better with Beal, Porzingis, Kuzma, and Caldwell Pope? Definitely seems that way in retrospect. That seems like... Especially if you oh, knew what you had in DeLon, right? That seems like a mid-four, you know? Yeah. Not a mid-three, a mid-four. So, like, <laughs> mid-four has got to be better than a mid-three. So, like, that one. And then I think just, look, like, his most recent pick, with the Johnny Davis pick, that's always, considering the fact that we don't even know if the guy could shoot, and he was so bad for most of the season, and Jalen Williams going right afterwards, being as good as he is, that it's like a tie between that and and uh, Halliburton over Denny Avia Avdia or Denny Avdia over Halliburton. Those two picks, if he's fit, if he made one of the one or the other, change the change his outcome over here. He still has his job, and they're probably much closer to what what Ted wants. And I throw a sneaky under the radar one at you that he probably won't get mentioned about in in this kind of go round, but he should get some credit for. Yeah. By all accounts, Tommy was the one leading the charge for Jan Vesely in uh, the Jan Vesely draft. So he should get that put on his tombstone too because uh, you have the Flip Saunders banging his fist on the table. I want Clay, Clay Thompson. Thompson and Tommy yep. being like, no, I've seen this really good kid internationally. I've mentioned the thing before where he also really wanted Jonas Valanciunas supposedly was a guy that you know appealed to him also. And Jonas went the pick before us, correct? Went the pick before us, so it took him yeah. off the table anyway. Um Ben Mayich, that was writing for Bullets Forever, has mentioned that um, that Jan was the guy of the two if both were on the board anyway. So yeah, that for what you will. Um, but uh, yeah, Jan can't forget. Can't forget Jan. Can't forget that. And I do remember they had members from the 
Shaq Embassy in the uh in the draft, uh, like at the part at the draft party. Of it's like you knew what was coming. Yep. Yeah, that's uh Clay Thompson. And I do remember Philip Saunders kept, yeah, rest in peace, he kept talking about that. Like uh, yeah. but but like they just couldn't justify taking him that early. <laughs> Everyone mentions the Kawhi one, but I think the Clay one was probably the more likely option of the two, yeah. given your that's who your coach was advocating for, who had a history in a front office as well. Yeah. So, uh well, uh, I'm I'm always the guy that's too negative, but I'm in a pretty good mood right now, Oz. I think you are too. I, I think there is some hope here, maybe, that they get this right. We'll see what they do. I, I hope for the team's sake that this is something they do and turn around quickly. And again, this this is a huge, huge offseason. And hopefully whoever's in charge here understands the magnitude of that and the uh, rampant fan base here that's waiting to see uh, what they do with their first couple moves. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, like I was at a point where I just did not really care much about the upcoming season. I was like, they have to, th- the, the needle that have to thread is so, you know, small, like the, the odds of them hitting, mm-hmm. the odds of a 19-year-old, like Casey Wallace coming in, um, Anthony Black coming in, and uplifting the the big three right. to where we could get to the playoffs. I mean, it's so remote that there was no hope to it. So now if that's still the plan that they, if that's the plan they still end up going with, it is with a new fresh set of eyes so that you give it still a little bit. I would still, you know, still, you know, like what they, what happens next will still mm-hmm. tell me a lot, yeah. but at least there's a window where something else might happen next. So that has me back kind of in kind of the whole undertaker gif you know taking that you know like <laughs> right. all that kind of stuff i'm back you know i'm like okay let's see what's next if the new gm says i took a home run swing this guy has huge upside he's boomer bust potential but that's what we're doing you know we're we're dropping our nuts on the table here like we're going we're going big uh i love that and i yeah. just i'm just looking forward to not hearing about the character or the conditioning test or who drew up a play like i'm just ready for that that era to be behind us hopefully Someone who you don't have to question their shooting stroke. Right. You don't have to question their athleticism. They can dunk. Like exactly. unquestionably dunk. You don't have to and wonder they didn't, about it. Like take four years of like going from relative unknown to working their way up all draft points. Right. They were just a baller from day one. You know, that, there's minutes. nothing wrong with that. It seems to work well for other teams. So why don't we just try it for a Yeah, change? let's just try it too. Exactly. Uh, Oz, any parting thoughts here before we call? I got a couple of questions for you. So now that there's a glimmer of hope, what is I'm not gonna ask you for a prediction on the GM. That's that's a tough ask. Um if it'll be somebody have, we all hate. I'm just going off track. Yeah, I mean, look, we're gonna hate everything. So yeah. yeah, I just will hate it a little less than I hated the current or the exactly, prior. Yeah. yeah. So what players are here are not here next year that you initially are there any changes to the roster now from from basically your roster this morning to your roster now, what has changed? I, I think if you're a Denny, you're a Corey, you're a Gafford, I would be maybe not re-upping my lease longer term just because those are those are Tommy-specific guys. Uh, at least mm-hmm. if you're Monte, you've got sort of Wes in your corner maybe. I think DeLon Wright was largely too impactful for them to move on yeah. from him. I think Goodwin, they just added to a cheap contract. Uh, I, I can't remember the guarantee for Xavier Cooks off the top of my head. Didn't really look like much of an NBA player to me personally. Can't feel great if you're Xavier Cooks. So the guy that I, brought you over is already gone. Yeah, th- those fringe people um, yeah. are the ones I would be questioning if I were on a two-way similar boat. Uh, it might be somebody with a totally different philosophy of how to build mm-hmm. through the G League. Although I, I do think 
Quentin Jackson has some potential and Jay Huff showed a reasonable enough amount to be a cheap third big. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think those kind of three younger guys though, are the ones that have to be, have the, like the itchiest seat at the moment. Yeah. It also wouldn't surprise me. I mean, remember there were reports, what was it a, a week or two ago that Porzingis and the Wizards were getting close to an agreement, right? Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest tells on what the direction is, does that agreement happen now in the next couple of weeks? If it does not, then are you looking at Porzingis opting in, which might be the prudent move for him? I mean, you're looking at, in his case, going from taking long-term security, the new GM might not feel completely comfortable tying that security to someone with that injury history. Mm -hmm. And then in his case, why would you take a discount then? You take your $36 next year, you opt in, and then you play it for free agency the following year. You know, basically franchise tagging him. And if I think you're the new GM, that's probably best case scenario for you, honestly. And if you do that, your cap, your cap goes up. It just, there's so many domino effects. I think that's kind of the first thing I'm looking for, mm-hmm. because I think that was the first thing I thought would happen this offseason, a Christoph Porzingis contract extension. Mm-hmm. If that does not happen now, and there's no reason to expect that to happen until a hire is made, what's that's going to be the first domino, I think. Yeah, I like that. Uh, any others? Uh, any others? Um like a couple other interesting things are like, is John like Johnny Davis showed some signs. Now I think summer league becomes huge for him Yeah, because his third year option isn't, isn't nothing. I think it's like 6 million or so. Yeah. It's a pretty hefty number. So it's a pretty decent number. So if the GM was not high on Johnny prior to last, if, if whoever they hire did not love him prior to last year's draft, maybe had him later mid teens, late teens, something like that saw this season had concerns and does not see what they want to see in summer league. Do you then not pick up the third year option or do you then look to flip him in the summer? So he's someone, like you said, one of the younger players that they need to watch. I think Corey will kind of find his way around because he's, he's a shooter and teams can always use shooters. Doesn't make a ton of money. So I, you know, less probably uncertainty with him, but like a Johnny Davis, a Christophs Porzingis, I think those are a couple of guys that are immediately all eyes on them. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Johnny, especially mm-hmm. in the summer. Yeah, and both in the summer. Davis, second summer league starts, all eyes on him. And Porzingis before free agency, they're going to want to know what he does. So uh, you and I have talked about this in our group chat. I- I've heard this from two, let's say, two really reputable sources at this point that, um, I don't know, probably didn't want me to say it at this point. I wasn't saying it on the pod, but Tommy's gone now, so I don't know if they care if I'll say it at this point. But um Pretty credible folks have said that Tommy put a lot of stock in consensus mock drafts. And I mentioned Tommy and Woj are boys, Woj and Jonathan Gavoni, who does all the draft work for ESPN are boys. Tommy put a lot of faith in what ESPN said from their mock drafts. And after the Rui pick, with that being the exception, if you look at who they took in every one of those drafts when it was their turn, they took the best player available left on the ESPN mock draft in every one of those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in the first round. So um, Tommy just said, this is the safe pick. Everyone else would have taken Johnny Davis here. I'm going to take Johnny Davis because if he is a bust, I can say, well, everyone else would have done the same thing. And right. I don't look bad. Like he was drafting to save face, not drafting to change the future of the franchise, to bring a new face of the franchise into the fold. And uh I'm just looking forward to a refreshing approach of that not being the case moving forward. Again, that's anecdotal stuff I've heard from people 
with some knowledge. I haven't heard Tommy himself say that, you know, that's their case. <laughs> but if, if you go back and look, that three drafts in a row, that's who they took. Like, so th- there's something to it at the very least. And uh, yeah, if you're Johnny, like, just because the consensus said you were the next guy up doesn't mean whoever this new GM was felt the same way about you. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Um, no, you're absolutely on, on right there. I think, I think one thing kind of like that I didn't say before that I do want to say, I think one of my big cr- criticisms of Tommy Shepard also is everything was always reactive. Mm-hmm. It was always a step too late. Yeah. So even if it is someone who is kind of following a playoff or now mandate, if they could show me that they're proactive in some of their decision-making, if they're proactive in terms of like a Rui type situation, don't let it get to the deadline before his contract expires, handle it the summer before. Same with Avdia. Do something like if you think, if if the new GM is not a fan of him, do something this summer. Don't just play it out for no reason and have a lot of uncertainty. Like, so that's also another thing. Like be proactive when you see something, trust what you see, and make a quick decision. Better to be a year like better to be a year late than a year a year early than a year late. What people at the deadline when they have more value than they'll ever be able to recoup once you give them a huge deal, yeah, that kind of thing. Don't sign them to a huge deal because you didn't trade them, and then you yeah. once again have to save face. Also, don't give away. Oh, one more thing. No more no trade clauses. <laughs> sorry, Kuz. Sorry, Porzingis. Ever, ever but if again. You want, if you want five years in a no trade clause, and we're not bidding against anyone for that, don't get it. You know. Yeah, when when Jay Huff's agent is negotiating yeah. his two-way terms for next year, he will no <laughs> longer be able to ask for the no-trade clause. And no more five years. Like, if, if another team can't give five years, why are we giving five years? Three years and a team option. That's all we're yes. doing from now on. Yes. I'll overpay in the short term if you have to. Uh, Oz, that's all I got for you. Any remaining thoughts here? No, it's a good day, you know? Hopefully, there are more good days ahead. I Yeah, I mean, th- this is something... Again, not celebrating somebody losing their job, but celebrating a fresh start for this front office, I, I think is- He's been is, here 20 years. Yeah. Like you just you just got to clean house sometimes. And, and honestly, maybe it'll be better for him longer term too. Like who knows? Just give him a chance to get out from from under this and and the early shadow and, and all the yeah. other stuff and and kind of a uh, clean slate of some. So wish yeah. Tommy the best. Again, by all accounts, a nice guy. I've only like spoken to the man directly one-on-one like two or three times, but he was very nice to me. Again, I mentioned somebody that's been in the organization longer than Tommy has been there. Mm-hmm. And he said, everybody to a man likes Tommy as a person. So it's not an indictment of him as a character or his character. And he brought in people that were high character. And, and I don't take that for granted. Uh, and I hope the next person at least considers that to some extent that, you know, we don't really want to root for assholes if we can help it. Right. Uh, but it shouldn't come at the expense of talent. And, you know, just I, I hope he goes on continuing to be a nice person wherever he is, as long as it's just not our front office. And if you are questioned by someone saying, what's the direction? Don't say, well, other people like Kuz, you know, <laughs> that's not. That's other not people had Johnny Davis next on yeah, their mock. That other is not like how Kuz you Kuz defend your position. Don't. Well, other guys like him. We had, yeah, we had COVID. Did you know that? Yeah. All right, everybody. Uh, I think that's, we've beat this one up as much as we can. Uh, let us know what you think uh, in the comments. Uh, this is my nightly, Hey, rate review, subscribe us, but write us a review. Let us know what you think. Did we summarize this right? Is this the right kind of recap you want when there's big news like this? Uh, take all the feedback we can get. Always appreciate that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, the drill we're presented by betonline.ag and we will catch you next time.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.